You're listening to the Kurdistan in America podcast, the official podcast of the Kurdistan Regional Government Representation in Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Dulavan Parwari. This episode features an interview with Steve Lutz, the Vice President of Middle East Affairs at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. In this capacity, Steve is the Executive Director of the U.S. Business Council, the U.S. Egypt Business Council, and the U.S. GCC Business Initiative. Steve will talk about the U.S. Chamber and his experience in the Kurdistan region and Iraq. But before listening to the interview, I'll be giving you a brief update about the latest news from the Kurdistan region and the rest of Iraq. So please stay tuned. Let's begin with the latest news about the ongoing negotiations between the KRG and Baghdad. In the past few months, three delegations headed by the KRG Deputy Prime Minister, Qubat Talabani, have visited Baghdad to resolve the outstanding issues with the federal government. The Kurdistan region president, Nechirvan Barzani, also visited Baghdad on June 20th. Barzani held a series of meetings with Iraq's president, prime minister, speaker of parliament, and with several heads of political parties in Baghdad. Now, the KRG has been very clear and fair in its demands. In a Council of Ministers meeting on July 2nd, the KRG prime minister, reiterated KRG's commitment for a solution within the framework of the Iraqi constitution and KRG's willingness to meet its obligation in return for Kurdistan region's constitutional and financial entitlements. Moving on to another important event. The most exciting piece, in my view, is the KRG reform initiative. And some major steps have taken place this month. Now, Prime Minister Masrur Barzani has voted that reform will continue to be carried out in all sectors. Last month, we discussed KRG's plan of diversifying the economy with a prime focus on the agriculture. Now, a big part of the reform is tackling corruption, and creating transparency is the key for preventing or reducing corruption. To tackle this problem, the KRG has created a digital operating expenditure system. And on July 6, the KRG announced that it will roll out the new digital system, which is expected to provide the government with real-time visibility over its budget. Now, an important pillar in the digital reform is the biometrics. The biometrics is important because every government employee will be uniquely identified by its biological traits such as fingerprints and facial features. The biometrics is crucially important because it will help eliminate the ghost employees, those who have multiple salaries, and the illegal retirees. Now, pivoting back to economic reforms. Earlier this month, Dr. Mohamed Shukri, the head of the Kurdistan Region Investment Board, announced that five food industry zones will be established in the Kurdistan region. And on July 20th, Prime Minister Masrur Barzani laid the foundation of the food industrial zone in Duhok, the first of the five. The project is a public-private partnership and is designed to host 270 factories. These are food factories, of course. It is worth mentioning that this is the third strategic project that was unveiled this month the 100-meter road in Slemani and the 300-megawatt electrical power plant in Erbil were the first two. Turning to the security and humanitarian side, Turkey began a military ground and air incursion into the Kurdistan region at the end of June. Since then, five civilians have been killed. Also, dozens of villages have been vacated, including 10 Assyrian Christian villages. Now, the Turkish operations have also disrupted the return of Yazidis to Sinjar, and endangered the Kurdish refugees from Turkey, because the Turkish military has targeted not only PKK fighters along the border, but also the Yazidi district of Sinjar and the Mahmur refugee camp near Kirkuk, which is home to Kurdish refugees from Turkey. 
And here in the U.S., the KRG representative, Bayan Abdurrahman, has been holding virtual meetings with congressional leaders, officials from Department of State and Defense, as well as the White House. She also participated in several virtual panel discussions about the plight of the Kurds across all parts of Kurdistan. And finally, another exciting update on culture. Ala Riani is another rising star. Ala is a Kurd from Mahaba, a city in Kurdistan of Iran. She's one of the key actresses in a new Swedish drama series called Caliphate. She plays the mother of two daughters who become radicalized and run away to join ISIS. You can watch the drama series on Netflix. That's the news update. Now the interview with Steve Lutz. My guest today is Steve Lutz. He has a very impressive profile, a giant at the U.S. Chamber. Steve is the Vice President of Middle East Affairs at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. He's the Executive Director of the U.S. Business Council, the U.S. Iraq Business Council, and the U.S. GCC Business Initiative. Steve is responsible for developing and implementing policies and programs that promote U.S. business opportunities and investment in Iraq, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, Qatar, Kuwait, Oman, and Bahrain. Prior to that, he served at the U.S. Department of Commerce and at the Capitol Hill in various capacities. Welcome to the show, Steve. Well, Delavan, thank you very much for inviting me and for that very kind and thoughtful introduction. Delighted to be with you today. It's a pleasure having you, Steve. Now let's begin with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. The Chamber is more than a century old. It's an interest group that lobbies with U.S. government for pro-business policies. Tell me a bit more about the organization. Well, I'm, I'm really proud to work at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. You know, it was founded uh, on the idea that the business community, the private sector, uh, needed to have a strong voice at the table so that when elected officials uh, or those that worked in the different regulatory agencies here in Washington, D.C., were making new laws, new regulations and policies uh, that impacted their business, uh, that they had a seat at the table, that they were able to engage uh, the very people who were making those decisions, uh, that they could help uh, influence those decisions and help them think and understand the perspective of uh, the business community. Now, of course, we've fine-tuned that and in certain aspects of that have changed over the years. And perhaps one of the most important uh, changes to, to our operating uh, process has been to take that model in terms of government engagement and policy advocacy and look at that around the globe. So we not only engage uh, domestically with Congress and the administration, uh, but we're also engaging governments all around the world on behalf of U.S. businesses in those same types of conversations uh, about the policies and the regulations that governments around the globe are making that impact trade and investment in commercial operations. Yeah, and that has been pretty much part of the U.S. policy, especially after World War II, when it helped develop new democracies in Europe and in Japan. And these countries have been very successful. Has the chamber, have you seen any results in chamber's activities? Has, has it improved the economies of the countries that you're dealing with? Yeah, I, I'd like to say that we're, you know, we're certainly part of a lot of successes around the, globes over the, around the globe over the years. When you think a lot about a lot of the different uh, trade deals that have been achieved, when you think about a lot of the investment policies that we've seen around the globe, um, the chamber has been a part of those conversations, you know, driving for transparency, driving for rule of law, uh, driving for market access and to reduce barriers to trade. Um, that's been some of the core principles that the chamber's been advocating for. And we've definitely, you know, over the decades seen 
many, many wins all around the globe. And what can the KRG and Baghdad learn from that? You know, that's a that's a really good question. If there was one important takeaway, you know, from the chamber's long experience, I think that would be that it's very important for those in government who have important roles and are making policies and decisions and laws that impact uh, the economy, that impact investment decisions and business operations, that they make sure that the business people that they're uh, impacting are part of the discussion and that that should be done uh, before a new law is put in place, before a new regulation uh, is permanent, uh, because it's important that they get it right and that you don't have to go behind it and try to, to fix it or reform it. Um, if you have the business leaders there as part of the discussion at the onset, uh, you're much more apt to design that law, design that regulation in a way that's going to be beneficial um, for not only the business community, uh, but for the country as well. And that's what I would say is one of the top principles to take away is to have that close collaboration uh, between government and the private sector. Absolutely. Now you're in charge of the U.S.-Iraq Business Council as well. What is the mission of the organization? At the U.S. Chamber, um, we're home to a variety of different bilateral business councils and initiatives and programs. Um, We've had a U.S.-Iraq business initiative for many years, uh, but to show our commitment long-term to Iraq and, frankly, to respond to the interest of our member companies, we uh, upgraded what was an initiative to a council, to a full-fledged U.S.-Iraq business council to demonstrate our long-term commitment. Now, the mission uh, of the council is to work to engage both uh, the U.S. and the Iraqi government officials to have those very discussions I was talking about, to talk about the reforms that could be made uh, to laws, to policies, to regulations that would encourage more American companies to come and invest and to do business uh, all across Iraq. So that's an important part of the conversation uh, that we're having. Second, uh, you know, the other important piece is to help educate American companies about the very opportunities that exist um, in Iraq and in the Kurdistan region of Iraq. So it's it's a combination, if you will. It's, it's certainly the policy engagement and it's the education and the, ultimately the business development and trying to bring more American companies uh, to Iraq to do business. And what steps have you taken to achieve that? Well, there's a lot of things uh, we can uh, talk about. I'll just highlight a few. Um, first and foremost, you know, pre-COVID, uh, we would actually organize and, and take delegations uh, out to Iraq. We've been to Baghdad, we've been to Erbil, we've been to Suli. Uh, a few years back, we were down in Basra. The idea is that you know you take business leaders uh, here from the United States uh, out for these visits, and that way they can meet uh, key stakeholders, both in government and the private sector, and have the conversations that are going to help inform them and help show them what those opportunities are to do business there. So that's been one of our main drivers. And we're one of the few, if not only, organizations that are actually organizing and leading delegations uh, to come out to Baghdad and to Erbil and all across um, Iraq. In fact, I have to say in 2018, in December of 2018, we took what was the chamber's largest uh, business delegation in the entire year and the entire globe was to Baghdad. Um, We followed that up in 2019 and took a really large delegation uh, to Rabil. So we have a long track record of these. These are just some of the most recent highlights. And then we've also been very active on the policies front as well, 
uh, here on the margins of the recent U.S.-Iraq strategic dialogue, which uh, of course was done virtually, we submitted a report uh, to both governments, again, with a, a slew of different policy recommendations uh, that was really informed by American companies that have experience doing business in Iraq, uh, again, trying to drive a reform agenda that would encourage more investment and more trade. Now, in your last visit to Kurdistan that you mentioned, uh, you also signed an MOU with the Kurdistan Federation of Chambers, basically to promote business and investment ties between companies in the Kurdistan region and U.S. companies. Has there been any progress since? Well, we, in fact, um, so we were there in June of 2019, and then we came back that fall, actually, as part of the Nineveh Investment Forum. Now, the discussion there was was a little bit broader and wasn't specific necessarily to the Kurdistan region, uh, but we've actually been to Erbil even since that June trip. Now, with MOUs, what we find is that it's really important that you get beyond what you put on paper. Um, th- these things are always really important, and they commit um, ourselves as the U.S. Chamber uh, with the other signatory, the Kurdistan Federation of Chambers, to a body of work. Now, what we have to do is implement that. And what we're looking at, and the, the one challenge has been COVID-19, to be honest with you, is to look to have more business delegations, more exchanges uh, of business leaders, some coming here to the United States, uh, others going there uh, to northern Iraq. So we want to do more of that. Um, of course, right now we're a little bit limited uh, by COVID-19 in terms of the in-person visits, uh, but we are exploring opportunities to do things virtually. Oh, that's great. Hopefully the vaccine will solve that problem in 2021. Inshallah. Let's hope so. Let's hope we can get to a vaccine. <laughs> Inshallah. <laughs> now let's talk about the relations between the U.S. and Iraq. You know, relations have been relatively tense between the two sides since the killing of Qasem Soleimani. But on the bright side, Iraq has a new PM and cabinet. And the first round of the U.S.-Iraq strategic dialogue took place a few weeks ago. You released a statement after the meeting and said, quote, we believe it is essential for there to be a sustained focus on the economy as part of any continuing discussion. Why is that so important? Yeah, and I would underscore that. Um, you know, economic success at the end of the day can lead to greater stability, uh, both on the social level and the political level. And it can it's the sort of thing that can impact citizens in a, in a real life way. Uh, if the economy's growing, if we're creating jobs, if we're putting more money in people's pockets, that's a good thing. Uh, now that doesn't take anything away from the importance of the security relationship, of the political and the diplomatic considerations. Uh, but our point is we can't lose focus and, and set, set the economy and economic discussions aside. Uh, it's almost, I would say, as equally important as those considerations as well. We have to keep a focus on economic opportunities and economic discussions. Uh, we know that that's in all of our interests. And we know that U.S. companies have a lot of knowledge, uh, top, you know, best in the world services and products that they can bring uh, to help fill a lot of needs uh, in, in Iraq, including in the Kurdistan region of Iraq. So we are, think it's very important uh, that as part of these government discussions, uh, they keep the economic uh, pillar as a core part of that focus. Absolutely. I agree with that. Now, uh, Iraq has been in turmoil for quite some time. Security continues to be a major challenge. 
ISIS is still a threat and corruption is rampant and the economy is in a deep recession. There have been mass protests demanding reform and there are unresolved disputes between the KRG and Baghdad and Iraq has more than 1.4 million people displaced. And most recently, Turkey has been conducting military operations deep inside Kurdistan. And on top of everything, we have the global pandemic on our hands. What is your advice to the new Iraqi PM? And what should be his top priorities? Yeah, Taliban, you, you've outlined uh, what I think are, are accurate, uh, but immense challenges. No question about it. These are very substantial and, and very serious. And uh, the, the first thing that I think is important to note and acknowledge is that all of these kind of landed on the doorstep of the new prime minister. Now, that's not meant to downplay you know, his responsibilities or his uh, need to focus on these, uh, but it's essentially to say, uh, let's give him a chance. Let's acknowledge that many of these challenges have been around for a while. Now, if you were to get to the priorities, uh, I think you know, I'm, I'm not a diplomat at the end of the day, so it's, it's hard for me to speak to some of the, the security and the political challenges but I'm going to go back to the, the focus on the economic piece, uh, because that's the sort of thing that, again, can touch a lot of people's lives. If, if you're putting in reforms that are going to encourage uh, economic growth, that's going to create jobs and give people a sense of hope, uh, put food on the table, uh, make sure that the electricity is running, that they have good housing, that their kids are getting an education, that they have access to health care. If you're doing those things through economic advancement, uh, you're making people feel that there is a future, that there is a hope. So I would encourage as a top, top priority, you know, to put economic reform and to drive that economic agenda as one of the top considerations for the prime minister. And we're, you know, we're really pleased because I think we've seen him embrace that. Now, he's got a lot of things on his plate for sure, uh, but we've seen that the the, the prime minister and the, the finance minister uh, Deputy Prime Minister slash Finance Minister seem to have a really good understanding of some of these economic challenges and that they're looking at putting reforms in place that hopefully would drive that kind of change that would open up new opportunities and interest from American companies and others. Great advice. Thank you. Now let's pivot back to the Kurdistan region of Iraq. You visited Kurdistan on several occasions as a part of a business delegation, I believe. Tell me about your experience. Well, I got to say, I've been really fortunate uh, to have been to the Kurdistan region of Iraq on many occasions. Um, I've been there, going there uh, as part of my job uh, for several years. And first and foremost, the thing that strikes me is the the hospitality of the people. Uh, I grew up in the the Midwest here in the United States, in Indiana specifically. And we have a, a, we coined a phrase called Hoosier hospitality. And the sense there is that when you come to Indiana, um, people are going to wave, they're going to greet you, total strangers, and they're going to open their doors to you, want to have a meal with you. And what I have found is that in the Kurdistan region of Iraq, that's the type of spirit that the people have there. So that's the thing that has struck me. And every time I go back, I meet new people, and they're always just so incredibly generous, and the hospitality is just overwhelming. Uh, I also have to remark that, you know, it's, it's wonderful to, uh, don't get me wrong, I love Erbil, I love Sula, I love the cities, but the absolute beauty of uh, the landscape and the geography um, across the Kurdistan region is absolutely amazing. I've had the fortune of um, riding on a, a boat out on uh, Dukan Lake. 
I've uh, rode up uh, Cork Mountain and, and seen the views from there. Uh, and of course, then, uh, you know, been to the Citadel several times. So that, you know, that's the other thing that strikes me, uh, you know, setting aside, you know, the, the business discussions that we've had, but it's, it's the people and the absolute beauty of uh, the Kurdistan region of Iraq. And how about the food? Have you had, how do you like the food? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have left that off. Yeah, absolutely. The food has always been incredible. And I got to tell you, um, uh, having Masgouf and uh, just the experience there, the cultural experience is absolutely a compelling reason to come. And, you know, the other thing I'd have to say is that I've always felt safe um, there in the Kurdistan region of Iraq. It's something that um, I, I think that's one thing that we could do a better job uh, educating Americans about. Uh, is that security situation there? Absolutely, I think that's one of the security has been the major factor for one of the major factors for the development in Kurdistan compared to the rest of Iraq because uh, companies have been able to operate freely, foreign investors or local companies. Yeah, very true. Now let's continue our discussion with the KRG. Yes. We at the KRG claim that our investment law is one of the friendliest to foreign investors in the region. Also, the KRG is currently amending the investment law to make it even easier for local and foreign investors to conduct business. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I got to say, first and foremost, I think it's very important that when we hosted uh, Dr. Shukri recently, along with several other uh, officials from the KRG, I thought it was important for him to acknowledge that, look, uh, it's never a, a complete process. Um, that laws and regulations can always be updated. They can always be modified. They can always be made better. Uh, the idea that, that you achieve perfect uh, the first time, um, you know, kind of is a fool's errand. So credit to uh, Dr. Shukri and, you know, others in the KRG for recognizing that there's always room for improvement. Um, there's a lot of good models around the region. And I think, you know, the, the proof's in the pudding. At the end of the day, business people while they, of course, want to make a positive impact on the society and they want to uplift people with jobs and uh, generate economic activity, at the end of the day, uh, they're also there you know, for their bottom line. And they're going to look to see if they get a return on their investment. So part of the, part of the results um, of having a good investment law will be the fact that you're able to attract uh, more business. So I think... Um, it's important as they as as laws are modified, you know, as they look to update this, that they include uh, business leaders as part of that conversation. Uh, survey them, sit down and talk with them. What's worked? What hasn't worked? What could be done better? Those are really important conversations to have. You know, anytime you look to make a reform, anytime you look to modify an existing law or regulation, that would be my advice. Great advice. And now, on the same line, what do American companies look for when considering investing in frontier markets like Kurdistan? First and foremost, you know, any business needs to recognize that they're going to, uh, that they have a um, presumption is that they're going to get a return on their investment. Now, they're going to look at the rate of their return on their investment. Um, you know, some, it depends on who the investor is. If they're, uh, you know, looking for a return on investment in the short term, medium term, long term. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, bottom line, are they going to make a good return on their investment? Second, I think another important thing that a lot of a lot of companies that are looking at uh, markets like Iraq and in the Kurdistan region of Iraq specifically, you know, they're looking to make an impact. Uh, they want to see that when they come and they do business there, they set up shop there, that they're actually able to make uh, a bigger difference than perhaps they would 
uh, in Europe or in other markets uh, that perhaps are more established. So the idea that they're contributing to the the long-term economic growth and sustainability um, of the market there, I think is really important that they're creating jobs, putting putting money in people's pockets and helping people have a better life. Uh, So you do have a lot of investors who I think um, recognize that and want to achieve that. Great. Thank you. We normally ask three questions at the end of every interview. The first question is, when was the first time you heard about Kurdistan? Yeah, boy. Um, you know, the first time that I, I really dug into understanding um, the Kurdistan region, actually, it dates me back to when I was writing articles um, here in Washington, D.C. for the Diplomatic Courier. It was kind of a side project that I had. I was technically working for the U.S. Chamber, um, and I actually had made arrangements to do an interview of the then uh, KRG representative here in the United States with Kuba Talabani. And I had uh, set that interview up and I delved in and did a lot of research. This was before actually I was working on our Middle East team. Um, so that's when I really kind of got my education. And then of course, sitting down with him, um, I got a whole nother level of uh, education, but boy, that, that, that probably has to be back around um, 2007, 2008. Now the second question what is a word or phrase that sums up Kurdistan for you? Boy, um, let me, uh, you know, I'm going to go, um, we'll go with the three P's and, um, it's a little different than the normal three P's that you might hear. I'd go with, uh, perseverance, potential and people. And, you know, I, you got to give a lot of credit, um, you know, to the Kurdistan region for persevering through a lot, you know, historically, uh, and there's an incredible potential there. And I'm again, looking at it more in this case from the economic uh, perspective. And then I go back to the people. I think I mentioned at the, uh, the onset when we started talking about the Kurdistan region, uh, how incredible the people are. And I think that that really is a defining uh, element for the Kurdistan region. Now, finally, what is a word or phrase that sums up America for you? Oh, wow. Well, uh, it, you know, I, I, I feel very patriotic and it almost brings a, a tear to my head to think about this. But, um, you know, I think uh, it's an interesting time in the history. So I'm going to say, uh, you know, when I when I think of a phrase or a few words uh, that sums up America, it's both that uh, that shining city upon a hill that I think President Reagan had suggested. Um, but it's also very much uh, kind of an unfinished experiment. Uh, as we're seeing nowadays, I think there's a lot of uh, really important issues uh, that we still have to address. So it's a it's a it's a marrying of uh, that shining city on a hill with an unfinished experiment, and also the leader of the free world, right? Very much so. Very much so. Steve, I greatly appreciate sharing your valuable insight and wisdom in this podcast. Well, Delavan, uh, thank you, and I I want to thank you and the entire team. Uh, there at the KRG office. Uh, we have a great working relationship uh, with Her Excellency Bayan Rahman and, and Tara on the economic piece. And uh, I've really appreciated you uh, making the time to uh, sit down uh, with me and, and share some thoughts and have this exchange. It's been a really neat opportunity. It's a pleasure, Steve. Thank you so much. Thank you, Delavan. <laughs>